Good evening, church. Just another Wednesday night, and we're here together. So let's begin our time together with prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word, uh, Lord, how you've prepared us for this time and your word uh, to indwell us, and Lord, to strengthen us and to guide us. And we praise you for that. I praise you for all that you've done for our church, and we praise you for how you're still alive and work and drawing men and women to yourself. And Father, I lift my voice up with many others and ask for revival, for spiritual renewal, not only in our country, but Lord, worldwide, just a great outpouring of your spirit, Lord. I and others have longed to see this and experience this, and so do not pass us by, please, Father. And Father, as we look uh, at your word tonight, uh, Holy Spirit, and, and energize our hearts and minds to understand and to obey you. And we'll give you all the praise and glory that you'll so richly deserve. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Tonight we're going to be in John chapter 14. And look briefly at this chapter. It's, it's a lot of stuff in it. And we could have made this a four-part series probably. But we're just going to do a, a, an overview of John chapter 14. And I've entitled this message... Three questions from three different apostles. And they, they question some things and, and Jesus gives them answers in this. And I wanted to look at this uh, very briefly. Now, I don't know if you, you've spent a lot of time with children. They amaze me uh, with the depth of their questions. Uh, children absolutely cut through all the red tape and ask questions that get to the heart of the matter. And they don't do that to be obnoxious. They don't do that. Uh, uh, to cause trouble. They do that because they have a desire to know. And all of us should still, no matter how long we've been a Christian, desire to know, desire to know God's Word, desire to know how it applies to our life, desire to know how uh, to apply it uh, to how we're supposed to live. And, and questions are not something that God is afraid of. And we can come honestly before God. And we can come with our questions, our hurts, our pains, our troubles, and, and He will give us the answers we need. It may not be the answers we're looking for, but it will definitely be the answers we need. And so in looking at, at three questions from three apostles, the basic truth, I think, from this passage of Scripture is very simple. Uh, and some people will disagree with this, but here it is. Jesus is the only real answer for life. Jesus is the only real answer for life. And so I want to look at these questions. The first one is from Thomas. And we're going to begin with verse 1 and go through verse 7. And notice what uh, is said here. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And uh, since I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also, and where I go you know, and the way you know. Jesus is facing the cross. This is written in the last few days of his life, and he's telling them that he's leaving. It causes great anxiety in the apostles. It causes great distress. They don't understand. Where are you going? What do you mean we can't go with you? We've been with you for three and a half years. You're supposed to establish the kingdom. We've placed our hopes, our faith, our dreams in you. And now you're going to leave us here? And they're very upset. And so he tells them that. But he's telling them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and receive you. And that way you can be where I am. Which 
brings us peace. But he goes on in verse 4, he says, And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas says this, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by me, but except through me. If you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you've known him and have seen him. So Thomas's question is, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? So Thomas didn't know the way. And he was honest about that. He didn't understand. What do you mean you're going and, and the way we know, where you're going and the way to get there we know. We don't know that way, Lord. And we've always called Thomas, doubting Thomas, because of what happened at the end when everybody was there the first time Jesus appeared to all the apostles except Thomas. And when he was later, he wouldn't believe. He refused to believe. He says, unless I see the nail prints in his hands, unless I stick my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. And then a week later, Jesus appears and says, here, Thomas, put your fingers in the nail prints. Here, Thomas, put your hand in my side. And he falls down and says, oh, Lord, my God. And Jesus said, you, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And from that instant, we call him Doubting Thomas. But do we understand how much more there is to Thomas than that? When you see Thomas, and he's with Jesus, and they're getting ready to go with, to where Lazarus is, because Lazarus has been sick, and Jesus tells him plainly he's been dead. And they, they, first they say, if he's sleeping, he'll get well. Let's not go. Second, well, if he's dead, it's too late. Let's not go. Because Jesus had been in such conflict with the Jews in that area, with the religious leaders, they knew his life was in danger. And it's at that point we see Thomas tell them, come on, let's go with him. If he's going to die basically in the Greek, what it says is, let's go die with him. He did that. Yes, he forsook Jesus, but he always had a questioning mind. And Jesus had to tell him, stop becoming unbelieving, but be believing. In other words, stop this, Thomas. You're letting your thoughts get away with you. Thomas was the one who said, how do you mean he's alive? We saw him die. What do you mean he's alive? We know he was buried. He was dead. They killed him. And yet, he came about to believe. Well, Thomas didn't know the way. Okay? And I think verse 6 answers that and we're going to deal with it. There's a lot of people in our day who don't know the way. How are we to be rightly related to God? And Jesus said, I am the way. Okay, and that means some things. It means uh, not on our own. The Bible is very plain. For by grace you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, even the faith itself is what's that saying. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough things. We think we have to add to our salvation somehow. We have to be good somehow for God to love us. No. God is God. He loves us because He is God. And the Bible plainly says in Romans 5, 8, and this was the love of God directed towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, unworthy, enemies of God, Christ died for us. It means that we come to a point in our lives of realizing that, of placing our faith in Christ and repenting of our sins, confessing our sins, and then we're saved. Whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It means all those things to call on the name of the Lord. And repent means we turn away from 
from sin, but we turn to God and start walking with Him, acknowledging in our minds and our hearts that God is right and sin is terrible and we are sinners. And only He can save us. So Thomas had a question about the way. All right, and Jesus goes on and says, if, if you know me, you have known my Father, and from now you've known him and you've seen him. So we need to ask, do we know the way? Do we know Jesus intimately, personally? It is not a religion. It is a relationship. That is a religion. We call it the Christian religion versus Islam, versus Buddhism, versus uh, New Age, versus all these other things. But we need to understand it's based on a relationship, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Thomas' question, uh, as we've looked at it, is he did not know the way. And he's asking, how do we know the way? All right. Philip has a question beginning in verse 8. After hearing Jesus say, uh, you, you've known the Father and now you've seen him, Philip saith, said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Lord, just, just show us the Father. Okay. In other words, he didn't know the truth. And so Jesus tells him the truth here. Jesus in verse 9 said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? In other words, I'm united with the Father. The Father is united with me. The words I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe in me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. There's truth here, Philip, and you need to believe it. If you don't believe my words, believe what you see, the works. And some people say, show me. Uh, Missouri for a long time was called the show me state. In other words, for it to be true, you've got to show me. But there are things that we, need, we may not understand, but we know they're of God because the works themselves point to Him. Jesus goes on and said, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, He will do also, and greater works than these He will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pause right there. When he says greater works than these, I do not think he means we'll have more power than Jesus. Jesus did awesome acts of power. He stilled the storms with the word. Uh, he prayed and fed 5,000 people one time and 4,000 people another time. All right? I don't believe it means greater works in power. I think it means greater works because the Holy Spirit would come. He would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Advocate to us. And we would uh, go everywhere spreading the good news. The Holy Spirit would work through us to spread the gospel. Jesus had a small band of followers in a small area because he was limited and chose to be limited by the confines of being fully human. He couldn't be every place at one time. But... In the spirit living in each one that would believe in him, he could be all over. That's the greater works, greater in number, greater in extent. Does that make sense? In other words, these people that he commissions, these people that go into all the world from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth, including the apostles, would spread the gospel everywhere. That the greater works talks about extent these group of people turned the world upside down. This group of people went to basically all their known world. 
We know that, that Paul probably went as far as Spain. Uh, we know that Thomas probably went in India. It is church history. We don't have it recorded uh, in exact detail that he died in India spreading the gospel there. I mean, you think about these people going to all the known world, to barbarians, to Scythians, just everywhere they went preaching Jesus. And the truth was that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And you need to remember that truth. And we need to know that truth, okay? The incarnation is one of the things we hold dearly. That's where God became flesh and dwelt among us, is what John chapter 1 tells us about that. And we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of the Father. And we, we held him, we ate with him, is what 1 John said. We touched him. He wasn't just a spirit. He was literally human, yet he was literally God. And that's the truth. And that's something hard to grasp. But do we understand we have a Savior that we can see in the New Testament. And when you see what Jesus did, you saw what God did. And when you see the nature and character of Jesus, you see the nature and character of God because they are one and the same. Even though they reveal themselves to us in three distinct personalities or three distinct ways so that our limited minds can understand as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, so do we understand that truth? And then we go on reading down through here. And uh, Jesus goes on, says in verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father. He will give you another helper, that's the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because he sees him or knows him. But notice, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The day of Pentecost. During Jesus' time, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for special acts of service. After we're saved, we've placed our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit didn't just come upon us, He does, but He comes to reside within us, to live within us. And we still need to confess sin, we still need to serve, we still need to obey His commands, which means know the Scriptures, so that we're anointed and filled on a daily basis. He goes on and says, uh, in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. A little while longer, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you, and he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. One of the characteristics that marks that we're to have as Christians is to know the truth and obey the truth. We don't know it unless we Read it. We don't understand it unless the Holy Spirit guides us. Before you read Scripture, you need to pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth and teach you, but also give you a willingness to obey and me a willingness to obey. And he who loves me, we love by my Father and love him, and, and we will manifest ourselves to him. In other words, Jesus will become very real in our lives, and we can hear his voice, and we can follow him, and he'll give us direction. Are you seeking that direction? Are you wanting to know the truth? Are you asking the Father for that truth? It's found in His Word. Spend time in His Word. It's understood by the Holy Spirit making the Word come alive. And it's understood as we obey it. We find it is the Word of life. It is the truth. Then we come to the section where Judas, the betrayer, asked Jesus a question. Oh, not Judas, the other Judas. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? So it's the other Judas. And 
He says, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. and My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So one of the ways we know we love Christ is to obey that. And as we obey the word, he comes and resides with us. Okay. He who does not love me does not keep my commands. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives I, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father and my Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it comes to pass that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has nothing to do with me. In other words, Satan has no claim on Christ because there was no sin in him. He couldn't stand before God and say, look at this sinner like he does for us. He's our accuser. Okay? Jesus, he had no claim, no hold because Jesus had no sin. But the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Now, Judas' question is this. He didn't know the life. How are you going to manifest yourself to us and not the world? It's through the life. Those who believe that you grant eternal life through, that you have saved. All right? If any man uh, be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. There's new life in Christ. He gives us that life. And Judas' question had to do with the life. Now again, all these questions, I might be confusing you, but the key verse is verse 6. It answers all of them. Jesus said to him, I am. That's a great I am. What Jesus told Moses is the same word that was used when God said, you should say that I am. He said to me, I am who I am. I am always going to be. I will always be. I am in the past, the present, the future, at the same time. I am. The great I am is in you. Jesus says, I am, notice, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So he is the only answer for life. Let me go back. The way of man to God is Christ's work. I am the way. So there's a way to get to God. There's a way to be right related. But it's through the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. Do we believe that and accept the work that he did on my behalf and your behalf? The way we come to God is through Christ Jesus. The second question had to do with the truth. See, the truth of God to man is Christ's words. If you want to know truth, you read Christ's words. Not just read them, obey them, and we find out how true they really are. And the life of God in man is Christ's will. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, Jesus came that we might have life and hand it abundantly. He wanted us not to be rich and famous, but to have eternal life, a life that was worth living, have a life where he will always be with us, a life that may not be perfect in our eyes, but in the end, he'll make all things work together for good to those who love, the, love God and are called according to his purpose. So all the questions of life, what is the way of life, what is the truth of life, uh, what does life itself really mean, are answered in Jesus Christ. And that sounds very simplistic, but it, as you read the Word, you realize it's so deep, we can spend a lifetime exploring these questions through the Word of God and never plumb the depths of what Scripture has for us. 
So take those three questions and answer them with that verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father by, but by me. Now make it positive. If you come to the Father by me, you're going to have truth. You're going to have a way to live with him. You're going to have a life, eternal life. And it speaks more of quality than quantity. Everyone, I want you to hear me, everyone has eternal life. But you either spend it separated from God in a place called hell, or you spend it with God in a place called heaven. And so which are we going to choose? And the way of true life, and life there means a blessed life. It means, it means abundant life. It, it, it means a joy that the world can't take away, that circumstances don't do. See, happiness is usually dependent on circumstances. Joy is not. Joy is just the presence of God in our lives, no matter what the circumstances. But it's life as God meant it to happen. And we discover that it's life as we obey the commands as Jesus commanded. We see a life that makes a difference. We see a life that counts for something. We see a life worth living. Those are found in Jesus. And after Easter, it's a good time for us to examine and say, am I living that kind of life? Do I have eternal life? Do I know the truth? Am I obeying the truth? Am I following the way? Jesus say, says that the way, the gate, is narrow for righteousness, but broad is the path to destruction. Which, which way are we going? The way that many go in or the narrow gate, all right? The wide road or the narrow road? The way of ease that leads to, to uh, despair and destruction or the hard way that leads to life? We have to choose those things and we find those things in God's Word. So I encourage you to spend time reading God's Word. Read, read the cross incident. Read the resurrection. Read Acts in the early church life. Find the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus Christ. And that's all for now. If you have some questions, give us a call. And uh, this Sunday we're going to be over on the grass meeting outside together. So be prepared for that. Bring your lawn chairs, your hats, and your sunglasses. Thank you. Good night.